You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 12, episode 30. The World Cup is over, which no one cares about, and the Premiership is back. Mind you, the Premiership is back before the World Cup final, so aye, there we go. Um, no, games games don't count. They've been played since before the World Cup final, they don't count. Very okay. Um, from what I understood, you're just going to speak for about 20% of the time, uh, and our Celtic <laughs> fan will speak for 80% of the time, is that right? Oh, sorry. Maybe more I don't that. think Salford, nothing to say about Celtic or Aberdeen today, nothing at all. No. Um, so from Celtic, we have got Michael. How you doing? All right, John. How are you? Hi, all right, all right. Good to see you. Nice to, nice to be back on. Uh, you're lucky you're back after the weekend, um, but yeah. Um, next up, we've got Laurie from Hearts. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Hi, good. Pleasure as always to have you on. Um, we will have Charlie, hopefully, from Hibs uh, later on. Uh, we've got Ewan from Livingston, how are you doing? I'm good mate, I'm good mate, thanks for having me back on Alright, again, pleasure as always uh, We've got Motherwell fan Scott on, how are you doing? I'm all good, thanks for having us I know what it is um, Rangers fan Andy Yeah, keep well John as always uh, And as always, great to be back on Alright um, Ross, Ross County fan, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me back on. Aye, no worries. Good to have you on, as always. Um, we don't have anyone from St Johnston or St Mirren, so we can talk about um, as little or as much as we want, to be honest. So, so nothing at all? <laughs> um, right, so where should we kick off? In terms of, let's kick off with you, Erin. You can give your puffins worth in terms of how things are going so far. You never made the opening podcast. So yes, correct. Um, it's well, it's all fine, isn't it? It's all just fine. Nothing to say. Pataudry, nothing going on at all. But actually, there's lots to say. Pataudry, there's just nothing to say when we go anywhere else. Um, we are not good away. One away win in the league. Is it still? Yeah, I think so. Um, and better at home but yeah it's not brilliant I mean we are if someone had said to me before the World Cup break would you take third in a cup semi 100% so in that sense it's not too bad but it's not been brilliant I mean we couldn't defend at all but it didn't matter because we scored goals then we kind of stopped that and then we defended so far back on Saturday we were practically in the sea it's not been it's not been brilliant, but we've shown that we can defend, which is a good start because we had not been doing any defending, and now we're doing that. And so we just need to put both things together, and we'll be fine. And I think, yeah, it, to be honest, it is not terrible. I had expected, I'd been concerned about worse, really, given last season and. Start wasn't brilliant. I think we'll be okay. Duke has of... turned into he's absolutely incredible. Aye, very, very good. good. You get any concerns about Goodwin? In terms of progress, 
or do you think things are going as expected so far? We're what? I mean, you can, I don't think you can really massively count last season, which is a team of people he didn't sign, who a lot, well, a lot of them didn't seem that bothered about being there. It wasn't great. Um, we've had a big clear out. The team players we've brought in, actually good, I would say, largely. Yeah, I mean, Duke is brilliant. Um, and I would say players that we brought in are okay, maybe not amazing, but all right. Um, and I think if we get a decent window where we can maybe sort the defence out a little bit, keep Liam Scales, and then, yeah, I think we'll be okay. I think I... we have had some really good games where we look brilliant going forward, and we can obviously defend, ideally not like that, but we can obviously do it. So we put that together, be fine. I think I feel better at this point this season than I did last season by miles. Aside from I think the... we will be okay. I feel fine about the Cup semi. I'm pleased we're in that. Looking forward to going to Darville, where I've never been. I've looked it up on a map. It's quite far. Aye, it's not the easiest place to get to. And that's even if you stay in East Ayrshire, to be honest. So you'll have fun with that on a Monday night. Well, um, I'm quite looking forward to going somewhere new. So no, I am pleased. And yeah, there's been issues and there's been things that have been brilliant. There's been some poor games. There's been some worrying tactics, substitutions. There's been some terrible results. But... It is not as bad as it was last year, and I feel like you can see a way forward now. Have you enjoyed our games, John? Mm, I suppose home has been good. Away, not so much. So, ah, it's... What's that? Better than last season? Ah, it's obviously got to be better than last season. I mean, that wouldn't be difficult, but... I mean, if you asked, as, I, as you say, if you were to be finishing third, I think that's what most of us can expect to achieve, apart from Rangers and Celtic. Um, as you say, we're in the semi-final of a cup, a favourable tie in the Scottish Cup. So I think you've got to give Goodwin a few windows to get a team right as well. He's had one window. Some successful signings has been the ones like Sheridan Morris, who not overly convinced by yet. Um, obviously, we had Cal Roberts, who got injured very early on, so hard to deal with him. But you look at Duke, Scales, Ramadani, Miofsky, they've all made an impact. Um we definitely need to improve at right wing back if we're going to persist with a 3-5-2 formation. Still feel we need additional cover at centre back. I think I heard that Sean McLaughlin, who was at St Mirren a few years back on loan, he's been linked. I, don't, I can't say he's someone that um, I remember much, um, but he has been linked. And I still feel that we probably could do with someone else in the centre of the park. Because um, beyond the three that are playing just now, You've only got McCrory, really. They can play there. He's getting played at centre-back. Unless we sign a centre-back so that McCrory can move back in at the centre-of-the-park. Because I feel at times, maybe you can't play Barron and Clarkson in the same team. And I feel it takes away a bit of, a bit of the edge of digging midfield. So, I will see what happens. What about thoughts from other guys in Aberdeen? What do you think this season? Just whoever... I mean, I've not watched. <clears throat> I've not watched a whole lot of Aberdeen. Um, I was quite surprised when we went to Petardry. Um It's possibly the most um, negative Aberdeen I've ever seen in the way they set up against a injury depleted and off form Hearts team. Albeit in the second half, to be fair, Goodwin changed it and Aberdeen managed to get the win. But um, I was quite astounded 
by the first half because Aberdeen played pretty much at the edge of their box as if Hearts were actually a good team. At that point, we were pretty terrible with about our fifth choice defence. Um, and I was messaging a few Aberdeen um, fans who I'm friends with and it was immediately after the Dundee United game and they thought that Goodwin was basically just extremely nervous that there might be another capitulation. Yes. So um, they, from what I've seen and from what I've heard from friends of mine who are Aberdeen fans, um, there's some areas of um, of very good parts to the team, uh, some good attacking options, uh, but a bit of an imbalance and this spine is rather fragile, which I think is shown in certain results. Um, so, yeah, I mean, often from a point of view of of hearts as a team obviously who and I said I think I said in the podcast we did at the start of the season I was expecting us to have a tough first half of the season my my hopes were we would not be out of touch with third mm-hmm. um I think I did say Aberdeen with was the team I thought would be most likely to be ahead of us in third yeah. um so I'm actually pretty happy that we are what just before Christmas and a point off third having an entire team out injured for the first half, getting pumped in Europe, left, right and centre every midweek. Uh, I had a fear that if a team really kicked on, we'd be double points behind someone in third. But um, as it is, there's not really much between anyone. Um, you know, I know Aberdeen are sitting third now, but there's, I mean, you look at the fact Aberdeen are talking about maybe being doing all right this at this point, but everything is completely imploded at Hibs, but there's only like five points between those two teams. That's like, two matches yes. um, so I'm pretty happy that it's all congested because I didn't think we would have it as easy as we did last season um, I didn't envisage having quite as many injuries as we ended up with but um, yeah so Aberdeen I don't know I don't know how they'll do second half of the season I think there's some big plus points but some of their players especially defensively I could not believe how bad they looked but I was quite surprised at how well the likes of Duke and Miofsky have done um, Anthony Stewart at the back, I, I maybe have caught him in his bad games, but he, to me, looked like a Sunday League player who'd somehow tricked his way into a... You're not actually like back on this podcast anymore? I mean, he um, looked like he did not know how to kick the ball when I saw him a few I times. wouldn't say anything about any of your team that was as mean as that. Why sure not? Some of, our, some of our players are pish as well. I mean, I'm not... <laughs> um, no, our defence is not brilliant, agreed. Um, Duke is very good, and it's fine if you can score seven in a game if you concede six but we're not quite there and against teams that are decent we're defensively pretty weak yeah I think I went on an Aberdeen podcast immediately before we went to Pataudry and it was bizarre because we were both arguing over who was going to be the shittest in the game (laughs) which probably showed the the level of confidence at that point um albeit we were going to Italy to get our arses kicked all over the shot by Fiorentina four nights before which was largely why I was worried but um yeah I've not seen um I've not seen enough of Aberdeen to give a a huge um uh, analysis of them but then the and I didn't see the game of the weekend and I thought someone was sending me football manager (laughs) stats when I saw the match stats I tell you um I don't know what the Aberdeen fans would actually be on the whole but if that was if Hearts were sitting top of the league 
and Robbie Nielsen had a game like that, um, there would genuinely be protests outside if if we played like that at Tyne Castle against Celtic or Rangers. We go to Ibrox. We've done it for and a we... big joke, actually. It's a big plan so that when we play Rangers, <laughs> we're tricked, obviously. It, I mean, that looked... Was it like, so, so Erin, I know you don't want to talk about the game. I, I did not see it. I saw the stats, um, so I didn't have any interest in watching a defence against attack training um, match, but was it yeah. quite as horrific as the stats suggest? Um, yes. Yeah. First half, there was a few like bits where we like went on the break and you think, oh, that's a good counter. This is actually okay. You didn't have a shot on goal. Don't see what the point is here, which is don't concede because once we go behind, we find it very difficult and our defence is poor. Let's actually try defending. And I thought we've practised defending and the whatever it is we've had off, five weeks, brilliant. This is good. Wasn't brilliant, but it was, I thought, I get what we're doing, fine. We've got defenders. Second half, we did the same, but with every single player on our own goal line, and we forgot about the going forward bit. That's see, see if that was Livy. All you would see on Twitter is anti football, disgrace to the top flight, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, being but so negative. Like if if Livy were playing at home with Celtic and did that, they'd still manage to win 1 0 somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was a thing, though. We would, we would get slaughtered from Pallet Post for doing that. Yeah, but if you get rid of your plastic pitch, people are like, did you play at the weekend or was your all-weather pitch not fit for purpose? No such thing as an all-weather pitch. <laughs> well, so, uh, no, it wasn't good. But tomorrow, it's a big plan that we're doing, obviously. Don't put this out, John, until after the game in case Rangers figure out the big plan. It might not be going out until after the anyway. We'll see what happens. Is that not a worry about Goodwin, though? I mean, like, if if that had been, if Hearts had not been as terrible of the, as they had been at that point, they would have been out of sight before the second half. I mean, they missed, remember missed an open goal from about two yards in that game. This was a poor hearts team injury hit. And honestly, I was like, I was messaging my mates going, why is Jim Goodwin treating us like we're Barcelona here? I mean, we're we're bad and we've got a makeshift defence, but you're sitting with everyone behind the ball. I mean, I don't know. He just seems extremely cautious and pretty negative in a lot of games from, and again, these are maybe small sample size, but. No, I think we're just not quite fully together yet the defense are a little bit risky so you can't really can't leave the defense kind of uncovered because there isn't much of a defense but that's going to get i think if we get the defense sorted out now it should have been sorted out in the summer and that is a problem because why are we then all his signings now the defense not largely his signings yeah they are yeah Yeah. and it's so he can't sort his defense out which he created well, we're going to recreate the defence. That's what's going to happen. We're so he needs defense. to recreate a defence he just created. Yeah, we're getting a new defence. Don't worry about the defence. We're getting a new one. So that'll be fine. Just like a nice new one in January. But I, yeah, I have concerns about... So Liam Scales on loan, not great. Um, keep him, ideally. Need a centre half. Anthony Stewart, TBC on him. Need a right back. Now, I don't think Richardson is the worst player I've ever seen in my life, but I do think he's not a right back ever. He could probably play the wing as a backup if we needed him. So I think we get a right back, keep scales, a centre half, and we're fine. And we'll just, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. See, see regarding the Aberdeen Celtic game on Saturday, I've seen mm-hmm. bits of the, the latter stages, but can I just ask, um, what dugout was Jim Goodwin in? <laughs> and, and so did he, Don't be start? silly, Andy. He was in the away end. <laughs> in the away end with his boy. <laughs> well, 
Um, I, I has noticed though that it's annoyed Rangers fans because apparently we did it on purpose to give Celtic the points because we only try against Rangers. I'll try not tomorrow night. Apparently we only try against Rangers, so we'll see what happens tomorrow. It's Rangers up there giving against Aberdeen. Um, right, we'll move on to Celtic. Michael, you probably have much more optimism about the rest of the season in terms of how the season has gone so far. I was just going to say, sorry, John, I was late from the podcast because I got about 15 buses uh, uh, sitting outside my, my house in the driveway. Sorry, and then about Saturday. Um, yeah, but um, we, we won't mention about Saturday's game. That was a exciting exercise. Um, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I can't believe that we've had no game for five weeks and it's just business as usual, coming back and uh, play, playing well. Uh, should have been more on the day or on Saturday, but I would settle for one now, uh, kind of like going away from Aberdeen. But yeah, I, yeah, I can't complain as a Celtic fan. Maybe, maybe the European games this season, you know that that's a Scotty football thing, or a, not a kind of Celtic thing. But um, yeah, overall, please with uh, the the way it's going so far, and uh, hopefully we can uh, keep it up. You pleased as well to see a couple of signings made already, and Johnston and is it Kobayashi? Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as I saw Johnston, I thought, wow, he he's he's he looks about um, twelve. You know, signing for circuit, but no, it, it looks good. Um, I saw him in the World Cup a few times. Uh, he, he's very fast as well. Uh, don't know much about the other guy as well. As well. Um, but I've been saying to a few folk, uh, don't be surprised if Angie goes into the the Moroccan market and buys one or two players there because um, they they look good but no I mean I, I think uh, overall I can be happy uh, as well you always got to get uh, one or two Celtic fans that are not happy but that's all well, fans for you they're very fickle at times but no I, I mean I'm happy the way it's going at the moment Aye and then obviously there's speculation Yakamakis might be away and obviously Juranovic has got a fair bit of interest after the World Cup. He had just prior to the World Cup, but it's just been like intensified. Um, yeah, you, you know, I think the, the World Cup has came at a bad time for, for the, the team um, because you want to keep this team together as much as you can. But I suppose another, another like, you can look at it, it's good to, um, you know, put put players in, in the window and also, not only for Celtic by the way, but for Scottish football as a whole, because some people think that we are a bit of a, a shit league sometimes and the competition isn't very good. But um so but no, happy and uh, hopefully the the Wednesday night game could be on because I've heard Gary rumor that that game might be off in Wednesday night. But uh, there you go. I right, we'll see what happens. Thoughts, Thoughts running scared that for Thoughts with everyone else in Celtic? Do you think they are superior to what they were last season or much the same? They're, they're good. They won the league, haven't they? I think. I can't see. I know nine points isn't a huge amount, but yeah, I think they have. They look very good, annoyingly. I think they've got that, although a, a different, um, slightly different style. It's kind of gives me that. 
feeling about like the Brendan Rodgers side when they've just got that kind of relentless consistency um, that I can't, yeah, I don't think anyone can touch them anytime soon. Rangers are in a bit of a transitional phase, so I think we'll need some time to find out what Beal's going to do. I think the problem really for Rangers is um, the investment that we needed to try and even just catch up with where Celtic have got to, and I just don't see where that's going to come from at the moment. They said that, that Celtic were so far behind Rangers. Um, when Rangers um, get 55, and all of a sudden they were, when Angel lost his first game at, at Hearts, they said, oh, they're years behind. You're only two or three signings ever away for catching up. Not that I care about Rangers catching Celtic or vice versa, but I think sometimes we'll, that, that's a, a bit of pie in the sky. Yeah. Um, I think from a, and this is kind of a quite an outside perspective, but I mean, the way I see it is that with, you know, Celtic did buy into what Ange Postacoglu was going to do and they've kind of backed it quite a bit. And I, th- I think their their kind of transfer policy has been far more successful in terms of signing players and actually making a decent return on quite a lot of them. I know Calvin Bassey is one for Rangers, but uh, I think Celtic have, have managed to do that sort of thing a little bit more. So I think they were always going to invest quite a bit. From And again, I don't know. Um, Andy might be able to tell me otherwise. I don't know if Rangers are going to have that level of investment. I mean, it's all well and good saying you're going to bring players through, but um, are there these young players who can give give Rangers that kind of instant impact to try and get to where Celtic are just now? I don't know. Um, but certainly the, the press coverage suggests that there's not going to be a huge amount of money for Michael Beale to to invest so but maybe that's one for Addy I know I've, this is managed this is typical old firm isn't it it was a question about Celtic and I've now got on to Rangers I was so surprised it was the Andy that stepped in first when I said any opinions about Celtic so <laughs> I, I was I was going to say no comment I will, I will comment I'll comment honestly uh, about Celtic obviously being rivals and stuff and, and there's the banter and stuff like that <clears throat> which is all well and good but when it comes down to it you, you know Celtic have started the season as as they ended the season, uh, and and for very good form. Um, obviously the Champions League, uh, stuff for both. Well, Rangers was shocking as no, but for Celtic wasn't wasn't the best. But uh, domestically they've just kicked on, and and as Michael said, and and Laurie's pointed out, and as we all know, uh, the transfer business from Celtic, Costa uh, Coglu or the board, whoever you want to put it down to has, has been very good again in the summer and you know it's not in January they've brought in two players and uh, bolstering the squad already you know Celtic a lot of people say Celtic have only one way to play and it's just fast paced football and going and killing games off early which is all well and good but they, they find ways to, I know having a bit of a laugh earlier but they find ways to win you know later on and games as well, and, and if it's not happening for them, they've got uh, players that are good enough to bring off the bench, and um, unfortunately, in my own opinion, uh, with Rangers, I don't think Rangers have that throughout the team, and uh, it's very frustrating, uh, as I've harped on many times on uh, on a podcast or to friends or whatever, but no, I think Celtic have started off well, uh, you have to hand it to them, you know, that they have played good football and, and as poor as Rangers have been in certain games and inconsistencies and stuff like that, Celtic, they have started off the season well and hard to say, but 
they are where they are for a reason and, and I suppose they deserve to be there, you know, for for the football they're playing and the, the way they're playing at the moment. I, I think what, what I would say as well, it, it goes coming back to your point earlier and I'm not having a a cheeky dig at my, my old friend pal that Andy, but, uh, you know, it has to come down to money, uh, the, the finances as well. Back to your point about the, uh, I think somebody said earlier on about the signing policy uh, of Celtic. What I like about Andrew is he, he kind of like fishes in other markets, basically. So, Basically, when your yeah, usual manager, Brendan Rodgers, uh, that's a bad word now in this house, by the way. Um, when managers come to like that or, uh, you know, G-O or Steve G or, you know, you know whatever, they always um, go after players in Spain or Italy, all the usual ones. Andrew, no, he, he goes outside the box to like Japan. And I mean, you saw Japan in the World Cup as well, you know. Um, you know, one, one of these days that you'll go up to Selkie Park and there'll be like the, the, the kind of like Japan national team and, and the Celtic team, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Andrew really is. Uh, you know, thinks outside the box as well, and and I mean, um, I mean, you, you might think I'm being fun here, but um, I definitely believe that Andre is now planning for that season. That's the way that the guy works. He is, is but he's in front of everybody all the time, and and that that's that that's a, a very successful manager. But I mean, go, going back to well, this point earlier on about the Hearts game, I mean. Uh, me and Kluger, we were like, like, who's this guy kind of thing, you know? And that, you know, and the risk speaks for itself. We won the league, um, hands down and, and all that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, uh, no complaints. I mean, he, he has spent like 20 million quid. So I do, I do sometimes think there's, uh, you know, you talk about him being the Messiah and, uh, and you know, working wonders. I mean, it is kind of funny when you look at, He's still splashing more than the kind of basically more than the turnover of every club bar two in the league um, in one window. So, I mean, if you have if Rangers aren't on form and you spend 20 million quid, I mean, I'd be I'd be a bit disappointed if he wasn't nine points clear at the top. I think he's a good manager. I think he's a good manager. I think he's a style play. I can see why it's why it's attractive. However, the caveat to that is. He is spending more than the the rest of the league actually make as a business in a year in one window. I think I think the point with the recruitment, obviously, you're right, Laurie, and obviously there's a lot of money spent, but it's I think the old fun game after the break last year, I think nine of the starting eleven were all post the Coglu signings, if my memory serves me right. And I think that how big an impact the vast majority of his signings have made on the team is quite alarming. And if you if you flip that to Rangers, I thought Rangers recruitment in the summer was actually not bad, but you look at the return from a lot of these guys, a lot of them have been out injured, granted, but Rangers seem to constantly have to go back to their old guard, like, like Sarfield or Davis, that they seem so reliant on them, whilst I think Celtic have got the potential to field two teams that could win the league. Well, yeah, I don't. I think. I think he's. I think he's done well. I, I, I think he's. I think his style plays good. His, the recruitment's been good. As I say, they're very effective with the recruitment. I think the way they buy and they seem to manage to keep selling players to actually 
it reinvests so they're not kind of just losing money. Um, it's just sometimes I think there's a little line that maybe gets crossed with just how much we talk about the miracles he works with 20 million window um, when the rest of us are fishing around for for real basement buys in the lower leagues of whenever it's we when can a club, find. A club like First. us unveils their second record highest transfer fee paid, which was 82 and a half grand, and we unveiled them on the pitch at half time at the start of the season. <laughs> Levels, <laughs> it's a perspective, the, the, the money that Celtic have to spend compared but then, to But then if, if, if you got St. Johnson and Livy, you look at the table, um, maybe St. Minnan to an extent as well, but you look at the money that Aberdeen Hearts and Hibs have spent as well, um, you know, they're into millions. All three of those clubs have spent this summer, which is um, rare. It's been a very um, uh, cash-heavy summer for non-old firm teams, which doesn't often happen. But I suppose you can compare that and St. Johnson are fifth level in points with Hearts point behind Aberdeen. And I don't know what um, Saints have spent, but I know it'll be a fair bit less than the the money that has been splashed by other clubs, albeit 90% of Hibs was on one player. But... um, who's now injured, but we'll try and let Charlie speak about that in a bit. Aye. From your point of view, eh, Laurie, you've obviously spoken about Hearts a wee bit in terms of probably where you were hoping them would be at this point in the season. Signings that were made in the summer, generally pleased, would you say? Um, signings, uh, hit or miss uh, so far. Um, I guess the big signings, pretty pleased with Lawrence Shankland um, has done better than actually thought he would I thought he was a decent signing I thought he'd get a reasonable goal return but um, to be on 14 for the season before Christmas uh, given we've not had a striker hit 20 since uh, John Robertson <laughs> uh, you know touch wood someone said to me at the weekend if we don't get if we don't get a player at 20 now then we're definitely cursed uh, so I think his overall play has actually impressed me quite a bit as well not just his goal scoring but he's been moved out wide and he's dropped in at the number 10 role quite a few times. So he's got he grabbed himself some assists as well. Um, so he's been good. Alex Cochran, I think, cost us like 150, 200 grand. It was like a no-brainer after his season last campaign. And he was being linked with a few English championship clubs. So I was pretty happy with that. Uh, Kai Rolls, probably the um, easily the, the deal of the summer for us. Given we've we've spent again, it's all these undisclosed fees, but I've heard it's a fairly low six figure um, sum for him. I did speak to Robbie Nielsen preseason, and he was pretty excited. A few scouts who'd watched him said they reckon he could play English Championship right now. He could go straight there if someone was looking at him. But it's a market that I know we are quite keen to keep an eye on now, the Aussie market. And I think the fact he played every game at the World Cup and. You saw his stats coming out. He was getting some of the best defensive stats in the tournament um, in the group stage, etc. Say that we've got quite a good sign in there. Uh, I'll I'll let you in maybe mention the fact he still got sent off against Livy, but couldn't handle could handle could handle Mbappe and, and Messi, etc. But couldn't deal with uh, what's his name. Like he's, he's not the first person to struggle with Big Joe. So yeah, yeah that's no I'm trying, I'm trying to. <laughs> Try to get his, uh, his image out of my, my head. He runs right against us. Uh, other than that, Alan Forrest is, um, I've been pretty impressed with. Uh, thought he'd be a bit more... He's he's not been starting recently, but his contribution has been decent. Um, uh, the jury's out on some that we've spent quite a bit of money on, though. George Grant, um, Orestes Kiermitzoglu. Uh, 
I, I think it's meant to be about a million quid we've spent on the two of those. Um, Orestes Kiyomutsoglu, uh, after weeks and weeks of getting his work permit, has not really shown much at all. Uh, so I'll maybe give him the season to to try and change that opinion. I'm being very diplomatic. A few Hearts fans would um, probably tear into him a little bit more. Um, George Grant, a little bit rash, getting him in a few moments, diving in a big European game, getting himself sent off. Uh, silly red card in the Motherwell game, albeit we still managed to win the match. Uh, Judy's out on him. Lewis Nielsen's very raw. He looked great when he first came in. Um when our defence was down to the bare bones and he was having to start alongside other players who weren't first choice, start to get a bit exposed. But from not being a first pick at Dundee United to starting um, against a striker who went to Real Madrid for 50 million quid a couple of years ago in the Europa Conference League group was probably maybe a bit of a jump at that point. Uh, Snodgrass. I I like Robert Snodgrass. I mean, quite impressed. Um, He's not got the legs much these days. However... um, Oh, is that Erin asking with a tribunal for Lewis Nielsen? That's Erin not asking about it. She was wondering how he was getting on. I saw he got sent off. Did he in his first game? Uh, not in his first game. Second, uh, was it? Uh, he started very well. Actually, had a few good games, but I guess he's still a teenager. He's a centre-back, so we'll let him off. So I think the jury's out I on... I think your players are better than your results, if that makes sense. On paper, your team's not that bad. I agree. I agree, which is why I'm reasonably happy given who we've had out. Uh, the fact I don't is actually it think we the curse of Thursday Sunday. Every yeah, week I think I think there's there's two elements to it, and I think the energy side we always anticipated the fact that we were going to be tired um, uh, on a Sunday. It's you know playing two two games in a week, the travelling, the, the the tough matches, so there would be a fatigue element. I actually think the mental side of it was more difficult. Um, by that, I mean the fact that we were getting absolutely smashed in a few of the games. <laughs> and I don't mean the Hearts fans uh, in the pub afterwards, but the players on the pitch getting absolutely battered. I, I think that maybe took its toll as much as the actual um, the physical side. You know, It doesn't matter that you're playing Fiorentina midweek and then you're going to a Scottish Premiership game with all due respect to their teams who are playing a an Aberdeen, a Livingston, a Motherwell, whoever. I think the fact if you're still conceding four or five goals and you're getting run ragged, it still dents your confidence, even if you are playing against much better players. I think that took its toll because you could see the heads were down. I think the Aberdeen game was a prime example. You know, we actually played pretty well, probably should have been one or two goals up. When Aberdeen up the ante and actually got ahead, it was like 73 minutes. The game was done then. You might as well have blown full time because you could see every single player. Shoulders slumped. Here we go again. We've been battered in a week. We're now one nil down. We're not turning it around. And the last 20 minutes, uh, you know, it was just Aberdeen. Hearts had given up. As soon as we went 1-0, we'd given it up. We went to Killy, I think, and we started very well. Barry Mackay somehow missed. We've, we've missed like three open goals this season from within the six-yard box, which is quite crazy. He missed that. His confidence went. And as soon as Killy got a wee chance in on goal, for the next 40 minutes, we just looked all over the place. So I think there was a big confidence issue on that side of things. But yeah, I don't think we've played well for an entire game yet this season. We've had some spells, but I've not seen us play well for an entire game. So... Given all that and the fact that we're a point of third, I said at the start of the season I would take 
being within touching distance. So, but we've still got to improve. I mean, it's all well and good saying that that we've got decent players. We should be better than this. Blah blah blah. Um, we've still got to get that out of the team. So I'm optimistic, but um, yeah, we've still got to make sure we actually make the most of the fact that we've now got a chance to push on for the second half of the season and and do better. But it's where you want to be. It's where Hearts want to be. It's where Aberdeen want to be, where, where Hibs want to be. And if anyone else can obviously sneak in via the, the cup or, or get third, I mean, third could be open there for someone else if Hearts don't improve. Um, Aberdeen maybe don't improve or pick up in the second half of the season. So I'm optimistic for the second part of the campaign for a few reasons, but um, it's a it's a strange league this year. As I was mentioning with, you know, Hibs are apparently on full implosion. It's a disaster there, but they're only just, they're five points off third just now. Um, I don't know. It's a hard one to call, I think. For us, reasonably happy. I was just going to say to you, um, do you think if you think Snoddy a bit earlier in the window, you would maybe qualify for that thing a, a Europe? Um, for Qualify for the Europa League rather than the conference? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. And I'm to be honest, I was relieved um, mm. given the way things went in the conference. I, I think we were quite unlucky with our group in some ways. We got quite a tough conference group, but... When it went to the playoff against Zurich, I was actually, I said to a few people, and some people slated me for it. I was like, it's basically the same prize money for the conference. Look at some of the teams in the Europa League. It's like, I don't know if I want us to be facing some of those teams right now. And, you know, I think um, Zurich got what? PSV, they had Arsenal, um, Bodo Glimpse. Uh, it, it was bad enough having to get pumped by Fiorentina and Istanbul Bashakcha here, I, I wouldn't have fancied us playing Arsenal <laughs> right now. So I, I don't think it would have changed it. Um, and I'm, I don't think I actually wanted us to get through that playoff, really, when I look at how it transpired. You know, it was great for you know, it. was great for the, the games, playing Fiorentina. Um, that that Amrabat looked okay against us. What Strolled the, the match um, and then he strolled it to the World Cup semi-final. So we, we played some decent players. But um, experience, money-wise, it was fine. But from a confidence point of view, I think it seriously took its toll. Uh, just quickly before we move on to Hibs, do you reckon there'll be any business done in January? Terms that first guy hurts. Yeah, I mean, we've apparently already agreed a deal to sign the Japanese Mbappe, which um, which means he's guaranteed to be terrible because we um, signed the Japanese Messi five years ago, and that never worked either. But you know, also sign uh, the Scottish Baggio and Stevie Fulton. Aye, it was great. Baggio was fantastic. Uh, so there will definitely be some some business. I think Robbie's been pretty clear about that. There's there's money to spend. Um, I think we need another striker. We actually have quite a big squad, uh, but we definitely need another striker. Um, so the yeah, whether this Japanese boy turns out to be any good is. Is another question, but it's doing the rounds just now. Um, but I hate when people call someone something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's maybe just because they can't pronounce his surname. Um, no, it wasn't was too bad. One, it was, it was. Uh, oh God, I forgot his name now. Is it Yutaro Oda or something like that? Yeah, Yutaro Oda. I feel like now these teams have. I want a Japanese player as well. 
Yeah, wait, to, wait to Santa. You know, you're <laughs> wow. to Santa. I just you're just copying Celtic actually, and yours won't be as good. I'd be surprised if there were as if it was as good, uh, given we're not kind of we're not kind of in the same market as Celtic. But or, I don't know. It's I don't quite know what you funny. mean about people heralding the arrival of someone before they come through. It's always a letdown, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the last one we signed was from Man City as well. It was like Man City brought him in and then loaned him out to us. And there was like a Japanese entourage of of media folk at our games covering his progress. And most of the time he was on the bench. <laughs> uh, it's a weird one, though, because he technically seemed quite good, the last player we, we signed, Ryotaro Meshino, but just too lightweight. He was too lightweight for, for Scottish football, I felt. It, and it... You know, for the likes of Furahashi, it's maybe worked, but he's a different level of quality. Um, if you're that lightweight and you're also not at like Kyogo Furahashi's level, that you can quite easily get um, out-muscled and bumped out of game. So well, there'll definitely be some business um, and hopefully we keep Kai Rolls in the team and we shall see. But uh, yeah, so far reasonably optimistic cool Charlie over at our side of Edinburgh not just a bit of football but I know she'd be a good day she would interview at the weekend I was aye much better than the Hibs games of recent note so aye quality but aye season's been shite Um, we obviously got dumped at the League Cup in the group stages which for any SP any Premiership team is point black embarrassing remember Hearts got beat in the group stages a few years ago and I had to get that one in, Murray. But um, I mean, the season the season started all right, to be honest. We, Don't take me back to Peter Head, please. We uh, we beat St Johnston first game, then last minute equaliser slash winner against Hearts second game. Um, obviously, then lost to Livy and then drew a Rangers. So first four games, I was pretty happy with, and then went on that good winning run, beating Aberdeen, Motherwell, Kelly, and St Mirren. And then since then, we've really imploded. One one and seven now. So. It's not looking promising, but aye, I mean, I've got reasonable optimism with Nisbet back, McGinnis back, McGeady back, but we'll see what happens. You know, the, the game against Livy on Saturday will be will be tough, as it always is against Livy for Hibs for whatever reason, but aye, I mean, I'm not, not really confident for the next couple of games either. You know, we've got Hearts and Celtic in the next two weeks, so not really convinced, but at Lee Johnson will last in the job as well. You know, if you win one and you're 10 games, you're probably on sack form. So, aye, not really got much optimism for the second half, but the first couple of games were all right. What's your thoughts on Johnson overall? I think he needs media trained. Um, I think um, he comes out and says some really ludicrous stuff and um, is happy with performances when he's the only one in the world that's happy with it. And aye, he's threw the players under the bus a few times as well. It reminds me a lot of. Neil Lennon, and that never really ended well either. So, I, I mean, I'll give him till the end of January, but I can't really see him lasting. And you've got a Scottish Cup tie to look forward to as well against Hearts? I mean, in recent memory, we've got a decent record at Easter Road against them in the Cup. They've not beat us since 2009, so I'm hoping that continues. Um, I, mean, I sound like a Hearts fan with a Derby record, eh? But, aye, nah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the window as well. Port just could leave somebody else could leave, but we need to bring in some good players, but can I see that, to be honest? And then Boyle yeah. was obviously injured as well. Their manager Hi. would be the first to go, but it sounds like we might have our answer to that one already. I mean, Graham Alexander was first to go. 
if we're being pedantic about it, but I meant I, as in oh, you, you, you're a hundred. You're a, I think you're. I think you're right. I think I um, probably agree. Yeah, I think. He I mean, most likely. To be honest, if he wins, if he beats Livy on Saturday, then gets a result at Tynecastle, then I think his job's probably safe for another few weeks. Celtic won aside. I think they'll come and batter us like they did at Celtic Park, but. Aye, I'm not really convinced by him. I think at the start he looked all right, but some of the team selections and tactics, like we're two and up at half time at Ibrox and then capitulated, like that's not a sign of a good manager to do that. Who's impressed out the new signings? Um, well, I mean, Boyle, probably. Kukarevic looks a handful up top. Um, really unpopular opinion, but I think McCurdy's got a lot to offer to the team if he gets a run of games. I think. Um, he scored 25 goals for Swindon last year, albeit a harder league. But I think if he gets a run, a couple of goals, I think he'll be flying. Um, that's about it, really. There's no really, no Marshall, like, he's hit or miss. And the rest of them are, rest of them were bought because they look good on Football Manager. So it's, it's not, not really been a good crop in, especially when you sign 15. You're hoping for at least half of them to look good. Pips are investing more highly, they're scouting into Moneyball statistics <laughs> rather than. Ah, actually yeah. going and watching players, which for me indicates that they may actually have the a wee bit longer with the manager. I'm hoping that they, they persist with him, but if the results didn't go, like this happened with Sean Maloney, happened with Jack Ross, like they're very trigger happy owners. So if it doesn't if it keeps going the way it's going, we'll be looking for another manager, which obviously hinders the progress and hinders transfer activity and money coming out and all that. Yeah, I think like they can keep you... on changing manager though and expect to get like results because as I said earlier but good one it takes a bit of time to build a team generally you don't build a team in one window No, I, listen I want I want Johnson to succeed I want every Hibs manager to succeed but I think if ultimately he signed off on a lot if not all of those players and if he's not getting a, if he's not getting the results then you're right it's, I think you do need to persist with him you look at what I know it's different league and whatever but Arsenal with Arteta they could have sacked him easily a couple of times but They've persisted in their top of the league. I'm not comparing Johnson to Arteta by any stretch, but I think I would like to see Hibs be a little bit more cautious with the way they deal with the managers, but haven't seen it for the past couple of years. I'm not convinced at all. I was just going to say, Charlie, see the game in first night, right? Do you think half-time came at a bad time for you guys? Because the second half, you were, <laughs> you were rubbish. <laughs> I mean, we... We could have very easily went four one up at half t- going into half time. Like we had a few chances, we had a clear penalty we should have got. Um, but listen, you're playing you're playing Rangers first game for Michael Beale. It's always going to be hard, but obviously to be two one up and get beat, it's not it's not great. But I was I was reasonably happy with some of the some of the stuff I seen on Thursday. But ultimately, some causes for concern defensively. Again, we've been saying that for three years, Hibs fans. We need. We need Ruddy Paul Hanlon, we need Porteous is leaving, so we need at least two centre backs in January, but I'd be surprised if we get one. But it's say, see, like when you appointed Lee Johnson, if you look at his track record kind of everywhere he's been, he's he's one of the streakiest managers. Like he constantly goes on like a cut like a run he's on just now. What, yeah. what was it he said? Like one uh, one one and seven. One one and seven, but then he'll go on a run like he had just before that, where he's I, won four or five on the bounce. But if you compare it to Jack Ross last year, I don't I can't remember again the exact stats when Jack Ross got sacked, but it was somewhere Jack, I think the wall. Jack, Jack Ross got sacked winning two a nine. So it's very, very close to similar. And Maloney was Maloney was the same. I think he won one of his last six games or something. So it's no it's no promising, but 
like I said, if we if we can win on Saturday against Livy, which I'm not convinced we will, then you know we could go on that run. But obviously, the games after Celtic and Hearts, we're not we're not expecting to take anything from them. Does it, do the problems go deeper though? I know um, a lot of Hibs fans feel, yeah, maybe Lee Johnson's not the answer. It's maybe not going to work. But um, are the problems more deeper set with with the Gordons? I think my biggest problem, and it's something that I've got to give Hearts a lot of credit for, is the fact that we don't have a director of football. I think you look at the you look at what Joe Savage has done at Hearts, like bringing in players like Shanklin and all these other players that have added quality. We don't have that. We've got Ian Gordon, who has never worked in a football club in his life, and it was pure nepotism getting the job. Ron Sun, Ben Kinsell had worked at Norwich and Arsenal previously, but has no real experience in leading a club. And I think the problem is probably deeper than the manager, and it has been for years at Hibs. You know, when we had Dempster, we were we were looking good, and we had a good director of football in Graham Maffey. Ultimately, it never ended well, but... I think if we can get, and there is talks we're getting a director of football coming in, but obviously these things take time. But I think you're right, Laurie. I think it is deeper than just the manager. I agree with your point as your manager as well. I don't think you can just, you know, abandon results and you end up getting a new manager three times a season. I don't think yeah. that works. No. But I think the um, some of the stuff he says is a bit odd and yeah. apparently locked everyone in the dressing room for an hour after St. Mirren. I think he was going about in that coat and just saying some stuff that I thought, that was my man. I don't know. It was a bit. Was he? Was he not finding on about XG after the Celtic defeat? He was. He also oh, about the day or something like that. Like he was banging yeah. on about how good the XG was in a six-one defeat. We're, no, we not Aberdeen fans. But have that, thank you. Kyle, Kyle McGuinness got sent. Dons are doing fine. Kyle McGuinness got sent off at St Mirren, but Johnson said we never subbed him because he ran the most yards in the team. But he was on a booking, looking like he was going to get sent off. So some of the stuff he comes out with is a bit questionable, but. Aye, he's, very, like he's very strange. Like Maloney was he's an odd man. Ma- Maloney was very odd. And like Stephen Stephen Glass was a bit weird as well. Yeah. Just... Jack Ross a bit weird. There's quite a lot of weird managers. Is Jack Ross a bit weird. I don't know if, is Jack Ross weird. I don't know if he's Jack, weird. Jack, Jack Ross wore white trainers on the touchline. That should be a criminal offence. That I think that is weird. Thank you. When he got announced at Dundee United, he was wearing a blazer with shorts as well. That, yeah. That's impressionable. <laughs> he's a big fan of that camel. I've seen uh, Lee Johnson. It's not at all. Um, theoretically, Charlie, who would you have as a manager if you were to get a new one? It's a great question. Malky Mackay. No, no chance. Someone, I think, and it's like someone that's going to play entertaining football and also going to win games, which, I mean, the last manager I can remember doing that I had was Tony Mowbray, and that's like nearly 20 years ago. So, I mean, I, I would like someone that knows the Scottish game as well. I think that's probably where we are maybe behind the curve a little bit in Scottish football. Like we've got, you know, Jim Goodwin knows the game, Nielsen knows the game, Martindale knows the game, but, you know, Stephen Robinson. Just, uh, see, the thing is, Charlie, we just spoke about Ange Postacoglu coming in, probably never heard of places like Fir Park, um, going to markets that predominantly Scottish football doesn't go to. And the, the managers that, that all are, are looking at is probably failed English managers that... Yeah. That come up here because they see it as a, as it get themselves in the shop window. Yeah. So, there's, Rangers have obviously tried to do something similar with uh, Pedro Cusinha and it obviously yeah. failed miserably. But I think, like for Motherwell, um, obviously we went a wee bit different this time. But the likes of Graham Alexander coming in, when you look at where the, the teams that he'd been at, it's a similar kind of trait to what yeah. 
Um, there's also well, not Scottish clubs will go to Ireland for a spell, and then before mm. you know it, a manager that gets sacked at Dunfermline's um, the manager of the Public Ireland. So, so you're, you, it seems just to be trends that 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 we go through, and it looks as if I'm surprised that there's nobody else tied to emulate what Celtic's done and went for somebody that's completely unknown. Aye, we um, we we'd interviewed John Dal Thomas in to get the Hibs job and he was ready to sign the contract but obviously we're the director of football he didn't know what he comes so I would have hands down taken him because he transformed Malmo and I think he would have probably done the same with Hibs with his, with his own players but I mean I would I would probably take Michael O'Neill as well we were linked with him years ago and he's obviously just left Stoke so if, if Johnson goes I think I'd take him I think he Is he not back at Northern Ireland? Oh sorry yeah, that, right. I think you're yeah. right I think culture is quite a big, um, has been a big issue. I th- it Maybe it, it'll be different these days, but I know in the past when managers outside of, especially the outside of the UK have come into to Scottish football, it has been a bit of a culture clash sometimes. And um, Paolo Sergio, when he came to Hearts, quite a good one, because um, I've spoken to a few people who are at Hearts at the time in terms of the players. And they said, obviously, Jim Jeffries would be the manager who'd left, who is your traditional Scottish manager. He's not not big on intricate tactics or preparation. Um he knows what he likes to do, knows how he likes to set up a big man manager. Um fucking terrifying apparently. He will he's the type who will actually grab a player by the neck and pin them up against the wall at half time if they're not performing, which has happened. A few players have spoken about those um incidents, but obviously had that huge respect in the dressing room through both fear and <laughs> and individual man management and then Paolo Sergio came in and said that like training was suddenly this intricate organized set routine of everything it wasn't just right you know bibs against non-bibs have a kick about we'll do some set pieces it was like this is who's doing this this is the exact routines you're doing we're training in this way from this time to this time started looking at nutrition and all these little bits and he said that at first the players like actually started pushing back a little bit like what what what's going on um and I think Gary Locke was quite important at this time because he was sort of the in-between so he was kept on as first team coach and he actually helped I suppose almost um transition to the style and also persuaded the manager to keep some of the old ways in place as well to not make it too much of a change um but that's 10 years ago um I think even Scottish football's caught up a little bit with you know training and preparation analysis um even the nutrition side of things. So I think in the past there's maybe been a lot of a culture thing and it is football in Scotland and the UK in general can be a bit of a, a shock. Um, and it's maybe different at top level if you bring a top European coach into to English top flight because you're dealing with the, the same market for players. So you know the kind of market you're working in, you know you're at the top level. I think in Scotland, even in the top flight, it has been a bit different. So things like managing the captains properly, managing those little groups of people, managing, um, even even allowing people to be able to go out. And I know that that's been a problem. Um, Rangers have had that before. Players still been able, allowed to go out and have a drink and, and have a good time. Was it not Le Guin had massive problems with how much power was it Barry Ferguson was captain back then and yeah. the fact that players still like to have a drink and stuff. So I think I think that's been a problem with a lot of the times in the past is that culture difference with what Scottish football is like and maybe what football is like in other European countries. But I think that gap might have shortened a little bit. 
in recent yeah. times as we as we catch up. If you're looking for someone, Charlie, who's experienced in Scottish football, looking for a job, might be helpful. Have you heard of Mark McGee? I have, <laughs> and if we employ Mark McGee, I'm not going. Back. I would love it. I'm not, I'm not going back to Easter Road if we bring him in or Malky Mackay or anyone like Get that. Get that to fuck. If we're talking about someone that knows the culture at a club, though, Ewan Davy at Livingston. I don't know whether you can kind of keep on saying that he defies expectations because it's it's just the norm now, um, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know what to expect with us. I think I said when we did the preview at the start of the season. I think start of this season was probably the least turnover we've had for a few years, which I thought might help. Last year we had a bit of a slow start because the way we about October time to kind of kick into gear and settle in, playing a new kind of shape. Slightly different style, maybe as well. Uh, only real players we kind of lost in the summer: Alan Forrest going to Hearts and uh, Odin Bailey going back down south. But yeah, we kind of kicked on a lot this season, I think. And second half of the season, I'm actually more confident going into that because Bruce Anderson looks like he's bang at it. He's fully fit again. He had a, I think, three setbacks where an ankle injury from the kind of March time last year so he was in and out the side but just before the break he'd, he'd come back into the team he'd scored an absolute peach over at Kilmarnock and he looked bang at it so yeah I'm, I'm really confident for us going into the rest of the season I'm, I'm certainly confident that we can go for top six um, I do think Hearts are going to kick on without having European football second half of the season, I do think Aberdeen will be there thereabouts, but I think certainly fifth place is, is up for grabs for us, which I know Davey, having spoke to him before, I think that's his, his kind of overall ambition is to try and take us into Europe because we've been chapping at the door the last couple of seasons at it. And as you say, we're not, it's not a surprise anymore, season on season, that we're punching above our weight. And, you know, talk about recruitment at clubs but Davies recruitment season on season given the turnover that we have season on season most years he's he's bang at it like we signed Joel Nubley from I think it was Aldershot you know <laughs> in the conference he spent six months on loan at Arbroath and you know I don't think there's a single team in the top flight that's had an easy afternoon playing against him so it just shows you how good his recruitment has been. He picks these wee gems up from everywhere and Nubley's getting getting mentioned for, you know, big money moves down south now as well. And he's good job he's got a, a trigger in his contract, so he's there for another year at least. But nah, it's, it's been a really good start this season. Defensively, I think, outside the old farm, I think we've got the best defensive record in the league. Like, goal-wise, we're maybe a wee bit short, but as I say, with with Bruce Anderson coming back second half of the season fully fit, I think that could that could make the big difference for us going forward. I was just going to say, I mean, everything's going well. Good team, nice gigging, but I think the only thing that would let you down, I'm sorry to say this as a Libby fan, is the home support. Look, that just makes it all the more impressive where we're sitting. It just shows you that fans don't win your football games. It's the, uh, it's the 11 players that go out on the pitch that get your results and we are defying the odds every season. I think 
there's been a slow increase in the support since we got promotion to the top flights. We've been doing a lot of community giveaways. Shame at the weekend because we've given away, I think, 3,000 tickets for the home game against Dundee United. But obviously that got, got postponed. But I think I think there was about a 20% increase in our season ticket sales in the summer, which, you know, granted it'll be a, a small number, maybe 200 in the grand scheme of things, but it's progress. And the longer that we're in the top flight and can cement ourselves in the top flight, there's a chance that that can, that can grow that wee bit further. Livy were sent back years and years ago when we had the Italian boys in and we kind of lost a lot of uh, relationship with, uh, with the local community, essentially, because we were just a laughing stock, to put it bluntly. And there was a lot of folk who kind of just walked away from, from the club. But slowly, it's trickling back in. Our tie-in with the community is a lot better now. The, the board's... You know, Davey have made a massive effort in terms of doing that. Dave Black, who works at the club as well, has you know, done a lot of work behind the scenes with that. So that's the club's being run properly, which is fantastic. And we're getting the rewards for it on the pitch as well just now. I think most people have admiring glances at Livingston when they see the job that Martindale does. I think it's a, it's a matter of time before he starts getting linked with jobs, I think. There's, you know, linked with down, a club down south recently, I think. Was it? He was linked with a Fleetwood job in the summer That's right, before yeah. Scott Brown took it. But sounds sounds daft, but I think it'll take a really, really big offer for him to leave us. Because, Davey, you're talking about directors of football and, and things like that, other clubs. Davey's a bit old school. He does all the recruitment himself. You know, he has a lot of control at the football club. And I think he would want that where else, mm-hmm. wherever he would end up next. But I also think, obviously, given Davies' past, there'll be certain clubs who obviously wouldn't want to take a chance on him. But I think because of the opportunity we've given him, I think he sees a lot of loyalty at the football club as well. So, yeah, yeah I don't I don't see Davies leaving anytime soon, but I think it would take quite a big offer for, for him to kind of look elsewhere. But... He deserves to be linked with jobs because the job he's done with us is unbelievable. Ewan, do you think um, this is what I always look at managers like Martindale, and I think he's done a brilliant job. Um, you know, especially when you see how much he has to do um, as a manager, like old school, dealing with a lot of the recruitment himself, etc. Um, I always feel like a manager like that, though, feels like, and it's maybe, it's, you know, maybe a victim of his own type of success that. He's very suited to a team like Livingston in the situation they're in, being, I suppose, an underdog, so to speak, in the Premiership. Um, dig in, um, dig out those results, you know, get away with sometimes maybe, you know, not doing things in the prettiest manner, you know, not looking to go out and, and dominate games, you know, overachieve, punching above your weight effectively. Um, if you throw him into a Hearts or an Aberdeen or a Hibs where you get scrutinised not just for what results you get out but um, how your team plays um, and how they go about that I always feel like looking at those and it's maybe why Martindale would want to stick with Livy because he knows he'll get the time if there are poor spells you'll probably give him the time to turn it around and you know he has had not he's, he's had more ups and downs but he's been some poor runs of form um, 
if you set out in a game to to defend and maybe cleverly dig out a result, I think Livy fans will accept that because you're coming up against teams with bigger resources. You know, you can't come out and dominate games. But when you go to teams with sometimes unrealistic expectations, which the three I mentioned sometimes do, um, it's not just about winning games, it's about how you win games. If you go and play Rangers Celtic and you don't give them a good game, um, even if you get results sometimes, they're not happy. Uh, I wonder if sometimes that wouldn't work for someone like that. You know, do you, do you know where I'm coming from that? I'm trying not to make nah, it sound like I, um, absolutely critical, like- but... I do, I do get it. I think it goes under the radar. I think Davy's quite good tactically, and I'd invite anyone to go and listen to when we've had Davy on the podcast because the amount of detail he goes into is quite alarming. Given I'm just a fan, but I think tactically he's quite astute. You know, just use as an example, like game last year at Easter Road where we won three two. We started off playing a, a 4-3-3, moved to a three at the back and went with wing-backs. And we absolutely bossed Hibs in the second half of that game. And he pushed us up 15 yards higher up the pitch and pressed on uh, Bashiri and Porches. Mm-hmm. But that's just an example there in a game where he... Yeah. To be fair, he, a, he changed it against foot, us. Yeah. It was a front foot decision he made to try and go after Hibs. And I don't think sometimes he gets the credit he deserves for, for things like that because... Kind of media thing that the hard working, the you know, dogged, hard to break down, good at set plays, even though we're actually not that great at set plays. But it's just carried on from when we had the likes of Gallagher, Halkett, Lithgow in our first oh, season. Mate, we, we get it all the time, big physical yeah. hearts, and then sometimes yeah. you line up in games. I'm like, we've not got anyone above six foot these days. Exactly. Well, you I, look at it, I get that because midfield, yeah. Omionga, Holt, Pittman, I'm five foot eight, I'm taller than half of them. So. <laughs> So it's not, you know, like physical, obviously you have no play band or six foot or stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think David does get the credit. And I think if he went to a club where he had a bigger budget to work with, I think he'd adapt personally. I think mm-hmm. he's I see a lot of the stuff that he does behind the scenes. He's quite he's quite modern thinking. I know when you hear him talk, you probably don't think it, but I do think he is quite a modern coach behind the scenes. And I know you talk about man managers as well. Again, the players, the players love him, and he's very honest with them. And as I say, I, I fully expect clubs to start sniffing and you know having a look at him a bit more seriously now. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't so much a criticism that you know he's not no. he's not got any I guess tactical skills because he you know he changed the game when when Livy beat Hearts at. Um, at the Tony Macaroni as well, I thought he, he shifted things a little bit after Hart started slightly better in the opening 20 minutes and then pushed yeah. Nubly out wide, which caused us problems. And in the end, he deserved to win that game. Um, I guess it's more the, you know, I guess the start of the the, the ex- expectations in games. And St. Johnson, I always find a little bit similar to that. I watched their win against Rangers and they went in at halftime 1-0 up. Um, and I, the Saints fans stuck with their players. Um, but they just sat in and let Rangers come at them. And I can guarantee at Tynecastle the atmosphere would have possibly changed the whole complexion of the game because if Hearts were playing like that against Rangers at Tynecastle and I've seen it, it would have turned on them. And I've seen it impact players and I've heard players say it does impact them as well because they'll get on their back. You know, you can't just sit in. Why are you sitting in? Why are you sitting so deep? Why? And I I don't know what the Aberdeen fans were like at the weekend. Maybe they were the same. Um, And it's just sometimes that expectation can change things and players have said that as well when you go from 
a club where, you know, not there's no expectations, but being able to go out in a home game and, and kind of just go with your game plan and you'll get given the time to try and put that in place. If you go out at East, you know, Hibs fans are like that, Aberdeen fans are like that, Hearts fans are like that, other other teams as well. Those are my three best examples. Rangers and Celtic will be to an extent as well. If you go out in a game and you're not dominating or you're not taking the game to the opponent's fans start to get on players backs they start to get on the managers back and sometimes the actual way a game is going can change because players start to feel pressure to maybe step yeah. out more than they were told to or to try and make more forward passes when they be told to just hold possession or whatnot um that was just i interested but i guess until he gets put in a position where he is at a club where maybe the expectations are different then i guess you just don't know yeah and again like Going on what Charlie was talking about with changing managers all the time, it just shows you that the continuity we've had with Martindale behind the scenes. David joined us the season season before we got relegated to League One. He came into the backroom staff. So, I mean, David's been there a good, I think, be coming up eight years. Like he's been at the football club, but he's been pretty integral. I think if you asked any Levy fan who obviously knows a bit behind the scenes that the back-to-back promotions, etc. a lot of that was down to David, all the recruitment, etc. was all down to him and kind of the ethos of the football club in general was kind of been set by him. So I think it just shows you what continuity can do as well in that sense because, I mean, most of our backroom team have been there since kind of League One. So it just shows you if you have a bit of stability at the football club, it can make a massive difference as well. Um, I'm going to move on to Motherwell and Scott with regards to talking about continuity. Obviously, you've got a, a fairly new manager, but you know, the club well, you kind of pleased with how things are going so far? Um, results wise, no, obviously. I think um, we're down at the bottom end of the, of the table. However, the strange thing is the performances have been better under Alexander. Uh, the football on show was, was horrific. Um, we, we seem to be able to grind results out um, and I just felt that I've never felt like such a toxic uh, environment when, when Alexander was there. There was a deep hatred for him. I wasn't one of them. Um, but it wasn't until that he went I didn't re- actually realise that it was as bad. Uh, obviously, the Sligo game, the two games, are probably two of the worst games that I've ever had to encounter um, as a supporter. It's nothing short of embarrassing when we're talking earlier on about Hearts playing uh, Fiorentina we're getting beat with, with that we, one minute you're rejoicing at the end of the season and then and looking forward but I think when we look at back to the recruitment that Alexander had it's almost as if he had it in the back of his mind that he couldn't be bothered um, we signed uh, Josh Morris for Salford who hasn't looked as if he's, he's capable of playing at any sort of level Um getting sacked getting into the first league game of the season left Stevie Hamill really up against it uh, we've signed obviously Louis Moult who I don't think will kick a ball for us again Roland Lawrence who will not kick a ball for us again Stuart McKinstry who's looked alright and then the one real prize asset that we've signed is, is Matt, Matt Penny on loan for, for Ipswich who looks like he's probably been the best left back on left since Stevie Hamill's been there I suppose the main bonus that we have is that Stevie does know the ins and outs of the academy. Give Lennon Miller, Lee Miller's son, he's uh, debut 16, youngest player, and there's been numerous players coming through. It's too early to make a make a judgment, but 
Stevie Hamill will get the complete backing of the support. Um, he's a mother legend. Um, highest, I think, five hundred appearances. So there's nobody going to be any better that can take the club forward. It's just a pity that Keith Lashley went to St Murn when he did because the kind of pairing of them two, I think, would have added to it. Um, but overall, I think we're in a better place, although further down the league than what we would have been if we'd stuck with, with Alexander. Alexander was just... But just so he, he, he obviously signed Van Veen, which... He, he, I wouldn't say he's, over, he's, he's been the greatest striker we've ever had. Certainly brings something different. I don't think we'll get relegated, and I think it will be a really important transfer window coming up. I see tonight that we've made our first signing, ironically, from Sligo Rovers. Um, the boy that scored the free kick against us, that kind of have been in the, the pipeline for the last uh, few weeks. Pipeline maybe not been the best result, seems though um, every pipe in Fir Park seems to have burst, uh, according to Twitter. Um, so, I certainly, he's, he's been on about recruitment, and I feel as if the last recruitment, you can't really be judged. It felt as if it was just like, let's get somebody in the door that can fill the jerseys. And that was the crowd pleaser in Louis Moult, Rolando Arns, who was decent the last time. Um, so we'll just really, to be honest with you, I just want to get through these few games in December and then start to get extra bodies in in, in January. Where would you like to see strength in the most? We definitely need a centre-half. Uh, they said to me at the start of the to the season that Ricky Lamy and Davis McGabby would be your first choice centre-half, so I would have laughed at you. But that's where we find ourselves. We've got the boys, so, uh, Sondra Johansson, who's hit or miss. So the three centre-halves that we have at the club are not good enough, and we definitely need well, possibly two in the forward area for what we've lost. Um, obviously, Kane Willery left quite suddenly, um, went to Turkey, um, who was all right, Um Played particularly well against Rangers. Um, but with def- midfield, we're fine. Um, definitely need a centre-half or two and uh, at least two forward players. Aye, Do you think, uh, think Paul McGinn's the option at right-back? Because he was pretty good for us, but obviously only seen him once this season. What's he been like for you? Do you know, uh, Charlie, it's been a bit of a strange one because for what we heard, um, the rumour mill at first part was that O'Donnell um, had spoke to Alexander about his tactics and they had some sort of argument and uh, the captain's armband was taken away for Stephen O'Donnell and this is Stephen O'Donnell that, that we were talking about obviously not in the same vein as Juranovic but uh, O'Donnell had a great game against England putting Jack Grealish in his ass, and it was one of the moments that you were quite proud, proud of to be to be a Motherwell supporter and Stephen O'Donnell he, he actually plays with the, came through the club that, that, that my son plays for Wisha Wickham Wanderers so there was that wee kind of emotional bit and then he just seems to fell out the picture but I wasn't overly enthusiastic about Paul McGinn, about McGinn coming but he's actually done really really well really well um, actually so much so that it surprised me Um how well he's done and he'd probably be one of the up there for for a good 7 out of 10 man every week he's had very few poor performances he's been been a really good signing Any thoughts from elsewhere about Motherwell from this season so far? I enjoyed Paul McGinn's miss against us quite a lot I have to say You know Laurie what, what I will say is this is a kind of ironic thing about Motherwell this season uh, the, the game you're talking about um, <laughs> 3 0 Hearts Aye 
It's probably the best three 0 defeat I've ever been to. It sounds crazy, but I actually enjoyed it. The performance levels were great. Uh, and actually stayed and found myself clap. I'm usually up the road when we're getting hammered. Stayed to the end of the game and thought, do you know what? We actually played well. It's never yeah. a 3 0 game. It wasn't, um, no. Matt Penny was really good that game. I thought he was quite impressive. Uh, he's, he's, he's outstanding. I was on a, an Ipswich podcast a few weeks ago um, and I was trying to downplay him, but I just couldn't because he's a. He's got everything. Maybe not everything, obviously, it would be a higher level, but he's defensively maybe like something he's maybe found too, too far up the park. The last time we had a player that I was kind of excited about in Lorne was Nick Blackman, who ended up at Aberdeen. Um, when, I mean, this guy's came in and he's won two out of three Player of the Month tournaments, tournaments awards. Um, so I just hope that a team like Aberdeen or Hearts or Hibs or somebody just need to come in and, and tempt them with a wee bit more of the, the money and hopefully Mullerow's get with Alan Burrows quite business astute now and hopefully we, we've got him tied down because his contract's out at the end of the season which again we probably shouldn't be saying on this Scott, um, I, I put in the chat as well, um, do you think Marwell's missing Tony Watt? Because I, I mean, I don't see Marwell as much as you mate, but I, Van Veen's not the answer. Um, I mean, because I saw him uh, the other week against, I can't remember, it was home. Uh, you, you were playing at home and he could get easily score a hack thick. Yeah, Tony, Tony Watt. Listen, Tony Watt, Mr. this time last season was on fire. Uh, he was doing all the right things, saying all the right things um, and doing good things in the community. Uh and I have to say, I was absolutely gutted with the way that he left. Even when it got to uh, the end of the season last season, Tony Watt was still a player of the year. Well, he wasn't voted it because he's absolutely hated. But he was still, in my opinion, contributed the most. And we have still haven't replaced that. Um, Louis Moult was meant to be the kind of come in. But you've hit the nail on the head. If you don't replace your best player when he goes to Dundee United then I don't know how we were meant to do it. All you need to do is look at the, the stats. Don't lie with things like that. We we went on a, the worst run that I can remember um, for Tony Watt left. Um, and I don't think he's hit the, height, the heights at Dundee United, but what you, you're, you're 100% bang on. Um, it, it was such a loss. It's such a crucial time. I, I, I can remember driving home on Christmas Eve last year, and that's when it burst saying that he's going to sign for Dundee United, and I, I could have great. Um, but now you can go and take a fuck to yourself, basically. <laughs> do you, do you worry Scott, that if uh, Mugabe goes, like, because I'd take him at Hibs. I think he's a quality defender. Do you think your season could maybe capitulate a wee bit if sort of Mugabe goes or another important player goes? Um, see if Mugabe's want to go to Hibs, I will go and pick him up, drop him off, and give you a hundred quid. <laughs> um, he's, he, he, don't get me wrong, he, he's one of the players that. The, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story about, about Mugabe actually um, so uh, I, I've got my own charity when I went to Zambia and Bevis, who's a cracking guy by the way he came to a school tournament that I organised to give out the medals to the kids now ironically Billy Collins' daughter was there and uh, I said to, to Bevis Mugabe uh, you need to be nice to her um, this is Billy Collins' daughter now ironically Charlie was playing well playing Hibs in the Cup the following Saturday, and they lasted 17 seconds before they get sent off. So that was Willie Collin being the referee. Um, so that didn't go down too well. But in all seriousness, uh, Ricky Lamy, 
it's been since the you know back Dundee, he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think he would be more important than than McGabby. McGabby has got a bomb scare in him a good few games. Um, so no, you just you'd, you'd be welcome to him. <laughs> um, I don't know whether you've seen as well, Scott, in the chat a comment from Ross about the well Ross County game. Did you see that? You didn't so expect it to be in a relegation battle after he seen that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's been a by far our best performance. But I said the frustration with Motherwell is that we've got it there. Like uh, when we're talking about Van Veen, see that sometimes he's unplayable. I actually, remember listening to Derek McInnes and he said that Derek McInnes was almost going to sign him at Aberdeen. Um, and the reason that he didn't was because the, the, the scouting reports were so different. Like one week you were reading messages and then the next week you were you were reading um, a, a, a player that has never kicked a ball before. Um, so it's he, he's just so irrational but yeah that was, that's been it's a sad day when beating Ross County is a highlight of your season but uh, that's it so far I mean from from our point of view when we watched it I think um, as poor as we were that night as I said in the chat I expected you guys to kick on and quite comfortably be in that top six kind of bracket maybe not alongside you know, Aberdeen Hearts and they like chase for third, but quite, quite comfortably there because it was, I, I don't know, I think it looked like everything was there, but then to see the run you guys have gone on now and only be two points above us, I mean, before the last half an hour on Saturday, we would have jumped ahead of you, you know, albeit with a game in hand you guys would have had, but I, I, I think Motherwell are well in with the three of us. I, I don't think anyone's out of sight yet. No, um, the, the one thing I, I hate using injuries as, a, as an excuse, but we have had, and even these players that we signed in January, um, and it's just not been, the performances have been there. I generally think that we'll go on a run, where, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll climb back up the table, whether we'll get in the top six or not. I don't think so. But I'm, I'm still relatively happy. You only have to look at St Johnson to see what can happen. I mean, how many people are writing off some Johnson at the start of the season? Even Nori himself. I don't think I've ever heard Elrond for this team to finish bottom of the table, but he was finishing bottom of the table, completely hopeless, couldn't see a future. Davidson out, probably. And yet here we are, they're sitting nice yeah, in no, the top no. six. I think that I think that was my um <laughs> I, I think I, I don't know if we're gonna come on to St. Johnson and no join, but I I'm I, I think when Nicky Clark thing for St. Johnson, I think that that's his, that'll, that'll be St. Johnson's game up for, for this season, then basically that's the difference between St. Johnson being out of the league or you know, staying up this season with Mickey Clark. And I mean, you saw it in this first game, he, he put his score after 20 minutes or something at home. He probably had his mind out of Stephen McLean when he was at St. Johnson. They had McLean in May, I think. Nicky Clark's helping get the rest out of Stephen May again. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think especially on Saturday, from what, from what I watched anyway, I thought the two of them had a really, really good partnership. They linked together well and they look a different team with the two of them in there rather than at times maybe last year might have just been one up top or um, a different partnership but the, uh, both me and Clark look really good together yeah and as Laurie pointed out earlier as well 
St. George are quite happy to shit fest or bait the results and maybe it's not always played in the eye, but at the end of the day, if they end up finishing comfortably safe from the bottom two, it'll be a far better season than what it was last year when they were worried about their future in terms of going down. So I think if St. John's going to get relegated, I think there'd been a real concern that they would show it come up for a good few years. And then what the latest is, Brown's selling the club, isn't he? I mean, I don't know. I mean, in this current climate, who's going to want to come in? People wasn't I don't know. I don't know the the Perth scene in terms of maybe if there is someone there that's going to take over or whatever. Or maybe there's uh, well, there's probably Americans. Are they not interested? I've not. I'm going to be surprising with it. <clears throat> that's the that's the story that's been in the press. Anyways, about potential American ownership. So, but oh, yeah. I don't. I I've not seen what what how much is into that. If, if that's just a, um, I think uh, there was a, yeah, it was, um, you know, Keir Maguire who does all the football finance stuff. Yeah. He said something about American owners are the likeliest to buy out, but I don't know what, I don't know where that's come from. I need to go and, I was thinking, I was thinking to be a St. Johnston fan on this, we could ask, but um, there's not. <laughs> remember, remember many years ago that uh, there was a proving consortium going to buy Mullerow headed by Naberto Solano and I think uh, half of them are in a Peruvian jail now so I'm glad that that, that never <laughs> went through um, Right moving on Andy we did speak a wee bit about Rangers earlier he was uh, in are you expecting much to change between now and the end of the season? I, I would like to think so and I really hope so as well John Um where do you start talking about Rangers' season so far? You know, going right back from the uh, huge disappointment from last season in, in the league and also in, in Europe as well. But, um, you know, as one of the last mentioned earlier in regards to the transfer business, it's been hit and miss. Uh, in, in all honesty, you know, some of the money was spent you know, in my opinion so far, Robbie Matondo for the guts of three million pounds has showed very, very little. And in regards to that, you know, we've had we've had the likes of uh, Tom Lawrence who's come in, got injured early on, seemed to be a good player, but got injured early on. John Suter stepped on the pitch and got injured. You know, that's just um you have to question some of the signings. Where, where's the homework being done? You know, in my opinion, John Sure is a good player, a good footballer, but his injury record is is terrible, and and I think we all know that. But um, where questions have to be asked in, in regards to that, not just the Suter signing, and and in, in regards to the uh, previous signings in, in recent years as well. But um, there's been some decent signings. Uh, Cholak, who is out injured as well at the moment, uh, seems to have. Seems to, uh, you know, is is a decent player in terms of the goal ratio. Uh, Yelmaz, you know, we spent money on Yelmaz. It hasn't really worked out for him. Coming to a new country, uh, settling and stuff hasn't really got a chance. Uh, again, has has picked up injury, and and I don't, I'm not making excuses. You can't make excuses. Regardless of what team you have uh, or your your play for support, you know you have a squad there. 
and in my opinion, that Rangers should be doing a lot better. And it, uh, European wise, we've been a disaster, uh, as every Rangers supporter knows, and any Scottish football fan knows that Rangers were were very, very bad uh, result wise and performance wise in, in Europe. And that uh, spoke before in the the podcast uh, regarding Van Bronckhorst's sacking. Um, the recruitment in the summer again wasn't good enough but also qualifying for the Champions League beating PSV and, and being told that you have no money to spend really you know what, what chances a manager got there really uh, or strengthening the team when he was told he could do but uh, domestically you know inconsistent uh, form wise performance wise uh, throughout the season and, and we're now sitting currently nine points behind uh, the other team as, as our current manager calls them uh, <laughs> my, uh, Celtic but, I think Bale's then been promised some kind of investment because it seems I know he obviously was at Rangers before but he was in contention for decent jobs down south in the Premier League well, you surely would certainly, he's not going to come to Rangers if there's not going to be maybe some kind of budget to spend you would certainly like to think there was an, some sort of assurance there and then again, there was assurance from Ross Wilson on the very first press conference, but a year to that date, he said the exact same thing about Van Bronckhorst. And I'm not saying there wasn't money there, but some of the signings weren't uh, Van Bronckhorst's choice, in, in my opinion. And, and I think that goes for a lot of Rangers fans' thoughts as well. But you just got to look at that, though, Andy. I mean, from my point of view, an outsider looking in. You sign a Dutch manager, there's no Dutch players signed. You look at what we've talked about with Postacoglu. Postacoglu has went to a market that he knows. And I suppose that takes it into what we were talking about with Charlie with regards to a director of football. For me, I think that there's too, so many roles now in football, whereas I always go back, I was thinking about this today, about mother managers. Um, go back to the likes of Tommy McLean, who... I think he'd done everything by cleaning the boots at, at the stadium. Do you know what I mean? They David, almost like David Martindale. Um, and I just feel as if n- nowadays with these directors of football, I mean, Ross Wilson, but who would you assign a player, Ross Wilson or Giovanni Van Bronckhurst? Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you, Scott. So I mean, that, you... comes down, that will come down to who's in the position and how the relationship's managed as well, won't it? Because you could have... A very, a very strong working relationship with a and a system that works quite well. If you if if everyone in the role is is good at what they do and should be doing what they do, I think. Um, I know from a Hearts perspective, it's still Robbie Nielsen who decides on who they sign, but he will say, "I need a right back. Um, I'm ideally wanting someone with a bit of pace, um, who you know has got decent crossing stats." Blah blah blah. And Joe Savage will go and get a list of players and say, right, here are our options. You got X, Y, and Z, you know, this is where they are, this is where they're playing. We'll discuss their um discuss their attributes, the kind of cost, how much it's going to be off your budget and stuff. Do you want to go all in, make this your big signing, or we could get someone who's a bit more of a work in progress, etc. And Robbie Nielsen will be the one who decides. I don't know if that might not be how it works with every director of football. And it does depend. I mean, Joe Savage obviously so far has proven to be good at what he does and I think Robbie Nielsen is doing fine at what he does um, I guess the problem might be 
if there's not a good relationship or I don't know how, how it works at Rangers. Is there is there that openness about it or is the manager just getting given this is who we're signing? Because um, sometimes I get the feeling that certain clubs, sometimes it's more of a case of, by the way, we're signing this guy. <laughs> Find a way how he's going to work in your team. Yeah, Laurie, it could well be. Uh, question, a lot of questions have to be answered. Uh, in my opinion, the the wrong type of questions were asked at the Rangers AGM. Yeah. You've got, you got guys asking why they're not sitting beside their grandson. Or rather, more serious questions about transfer issues or whatever, but you know, I think at AGMs, though, quite often the questions are screened that it's not going to be awkward questions that they're just not going to answer. No, did you? The, the question went out there. I honestly thought that was a comedy sketch. The one that, um, where you just don't, you don't know where the guy's going whatsoever. And then he drops right. in something about Nicholas Sturgeon. And I'm like, wait. And they're just, whoever's at the front just goes, can we just get to the next question, please? And uh, I was going to ask you, uh, obviously, um, um, before you say it, I, I didn't watch AGM, a game a grow. I watched it because of my work. I'm a, I'm a journalist as, as well. But I was just going to say, I mean, that the AGM was quite kind of um, tame. But do you think that the Rangers board was forced in to make a, a quick decision because of the AGM coming up? And also, um, do you think if it wasn't for the AGM coming up, do you think Jill would still be there? Um, I'll, I'll take your word for that, Michael, that you're being honest about uh, it was work-related that you tuned into our AGM. But anyway, um, Michael, I'm not sure, mate. Uh, and, and, and my honest opinion, you know, Van Bronckhorst... He was, he was sitting there with a, with a packet of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although is it for, you can't see, but Laurie's holding up some popcorn. Van Bronckhorst... I was actually going to hold it up when Harry was on doing his bit about Hibs, but Charlie's on, and I've, I, there's not the same uh, there's not the same history to to go back to Harry's uh, big talking. Hibs will be in third, and be on here. Well. Yeah, Harry's a happy clapper as well, so I don't know where he got that optimism from. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gio, uh he obviously he was disappointing uh, results wise and, and stuff like that, but that, that goes for the players as well. Uh, but what sort of something sort of stuck out for me? That when we played Aberdeen at Ibrox, uh, I think in October, uh, that Michael Beale had come up to Ibrox uh, as a guest of the club, and, and fair enough. But it sort of said to myself and, and others that, you know, he, was he brought in behind uh, closed doors and behind Van Bronckhorst back as a sort of pre interview type thing or whatever it might be. And, I think uh, the, the World Cup certainly should have party playing it. Because like, yeah. when 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 do you get four weeks to to spend with players? Have almost have your own pre season. So that's for for once I would have to say that it's probably the right choice made at the right time. I don't think the AGM necessarily had much to do with it, but I certainly think that we're having this surreal moment where we're, we're sitting in our houses on a Saturday afternoon watching Iran v Qatar and stuff like that um, where we should be watching the football so the, the Rangers have, have capitalised on on this and, and probably rightly so um, to get somebody to get another kind of he's not a Rangers man but he is he, he knows the ethos of the club and I think that's a big part of it yeah, I, think quite, quite I think that's probably a good point as well isn't it because you can almost say this season's maybe a write-off if you can get 
<clears throat> a six-month head start on planning for next season, give give Giovanni Van Bronckhorst another window, then you got a few more signings maybe that a new boy doesn't want. So I think that's probably a pretty good point there by Scott that have to have that level of break to start looking at your team, start making plans even for next season at this point. Um, because I think even the most optimistic Rangers fan will feel that in terms of the league anyway, this season is probably a write-off. Uh, uh, never say never and all that there. <laughs> so I think I'm sort of going there with my heart rather in my head. But um, yeah, it'll be a massive task for Beadle and, and his coaching staff and the players to turn this leader, the, the gap around. And, um, you know, it's, it's unacceptable. Uh, for for Rangers, you know the the situation we're in, but you know it is what it is, and and we have to go game by game. And as Bill says, and we all know, you do you do your own job, and whatever happens may happen. But we have to end the season as strong as possible, whatever that may be. If it's winning the league or getting close, closing the gap, or winning trophies or whatever it may be, and there has to be money to spend there in January. Oh, it's not, um, it was that long ago you were playing Arnon, so just look where you are now. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I never, never forget them days, you know. Rags but, uh, to riches. <laughs> we should move, aye, we should probably move on because um, we're probably a bit over time and I feel bad for Ross who's had to wait a long time to get um, some chatting. We need to change Ross County to our Ross County um, so that you get to go first next time. But, <laughs> Ross County's season so far. Well, what was it prior to the start of the season, Ross? You predicted Ross County to finish sixth. I did. I did. Still um, think that's a possibility. I don't know. Probably my heart says yes, head says no. I think um last season we won some, I would say probably some crucial games to get into the top six. Um, I think Saturday just passed against St. Johnston is a very good comparison to last season. Um, the first game after the break where Motherwell were up in Dingwall. Um, it was 1-1 at the time and we had a man sent off. Um, on Saturday just passed, we were 1-0 up, had a man sent off. Last season, we went on to win the game 3-1. Saturday, we went on to lose 2-1. Um, I think going into the game on Saturday, I think quite a few county fans maybe thought we'd carry the momentum that we had prior to the break. And this was potentially a good first game to get back to. I mean, it was a good win against Simiran at home. Good performance against Hibs away. I mean, okay, granted Hibs were poor that night, but you still got to put away your chances and take the points away with it, which we did. Um, I don't want to say we ran set like close because I think that's maybe not the right the right phrase, but we made it very, very difficult for them. Um, so I think there was a bit of, there was optimism kind of going into the break and it's maybe been a little bit dented kind of after Saturday, but I, I think it's just every, everyone's so evenly matched. I think if you put two or three wins together, all of a sudden you're shot at the table or if you didn't go on a bad run of form, you know, you're you're right back down there as evidently said, we said Motherwell earlier on. You know, they won five nil up and doing well. I thought they'd be quite comfortably top six material, and they're only two points above us just now. It was only last Thank year, you. I think, as well. We were kind of talking about Ross County having a slow start to the season, and then look where they ended up. So things can change very quickly. Sorry, Scott. I think uh, 
in my opinion with Ross County the recruitment's not been as good um, some of the signings haven't looked great and it seems to be quite a similar we're all, we're all kind of trying to snipe in the same market I don't think that uh, teams like Mullerall St Johnston and even now you look down to like Air United have went down to that to that route and they've got a striker in that's, that's scoring goals and we just talked about Lee Johnson that's, that's where all the managers know uh, they can go and try and get them and I just don't think that you're going every signing's not going to be a Regan Charles Cook or like Mother we're always trying to find the next Marvin Johnson um, and it's just not happened so I think that's maybe what St Johnson have, uh, sorry Ross County have found this season I think it's a, it's tricky as well, especially for us um, in our location as well, being so far north that um, Scottish-based players might look at Ross County and think, right, well, that's like, that's up in the middle of nowhere. You know, um, according to people at the club, it's actually easier to go and shop in the English market. Like we've taken, I said, Ben Parrington up from Charlton, Jordy Hula from Doncaster and players like that. It's easier to get them up to Dingwall than it is actually a a Scottish-based player or a Scottish player to get them up to Dingwall. Um, the only the only player that we've signed that's played in the domestic league for a good amount of games was Ross Callahan last year. You know, everywhere else it's been either it's been down to England or David Cancola came across from Austria, or we took um, Jordan White and Victor Luturi from from Canada. Yeah, so well, Jordan White came in I think before Malky came in. I think he was six months before, but. Um, I, that yeah, was like I think, the same, the same as me taking Bevis to uh, Easter Road. I, I think there was a fleet of Mullerall fans willing to take Jordan White up to the to, to Ross County, and I think uh, he could have potentially come back to bite his ass a few times. And in, in fairness to Jordan, always scores actually, against us. He he's been he's been very good since he's been up here. I think you know for the for the role that he's got to play in the team. You know um, he was very important last season for. Um, Joseph Hungbo and Regan Charles Cook it was almost like the obviously not the kind of same ability level but the kind of uh, Roberto Firmino to Salah and Mane either side you know the three don't work as well if one of them's out there or well, one of them's out of the three um, but the, the two wingers were Jordan was crucial to them last year for um, kind of dropping off and the wingers would get onto the flacons or getting behind things like that um, and I think it's been a bit of I'd say a bit of the new players coming in and learning almost how to play off Jordan. I think it was it, it clicked very quickly last season, but this time it's taken a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not been a horrendous start, but at the same time, there are I, I think looking at the performances and looking at results, I I think we've been unlucky in a few games. Um, could performances have been better than others? Yes, but I think on the whole, I don't think it's uh, I, I think I'm in the middle. I would say that I'm not really disappointed with how we've started, but then also not absolutely ecstatic, you know. So I think the thing as well, when you look at the bottom of the table, the likes of Kilmarnock and Dundee United, it's not as if they seem to be up to much. Kilmarnock's home form can be half decent. Dundee United, has there been much improvement under Fox so far? I don't know. Um, the thing you may be thinking about Dundee United is a lot of budget to try and kind of pull a drift, but. Just don't know. We've seen big teams go down before. So called big I think teams. with Kilmarnock as well, I think they'll miss. They'll get a good few games with Kyle Lafferty. Love or hate him, but he always seems to uh, start playing when when he needs to. 
and I'm not having them. I don't know how many games he still got suspended, but I think I think they might end up um, going back down the way. I mean, I, I I can only talk from our point of view that um, we've only I think we've only scored 14 goals so far in the league this season, which compared to this time last season, I think we were it was between us and Hearts for much of the season who was going to be the third top scorer. Even even when we were kind of low down in the league, we were still quite consistently scoring. Defensively, we weren't great, but um, today we've been linked. Uh, apparently, we've put in a bid or are preparing a bid for um, Cole Stockton. So, I mean, 23 goals in no. last year. No. I, I know Laurie's going to be shuddering away at no. those six months at Hearts a few years ago, but I think um, I, had, I had another Hearts fan comment on, on the post that, Obviously, his time his time at Hearts wasn't great, but again, it's it's five and a half years ago. Like I think, you know, players are obviously going to develop, and and he had a good season last season, which is why I'm kind of optimistic that if we do manage to pull it off, that's that's potentially the difference. You know, if you can have a go, uh, a striker that's going to have a decent goal record like that. I mean, I compared it to when we had um, Harry Suter up on loan uh, four years ago when we went down. Um, he was young, but he, he was. He, he had an okay spell. He, he did okay for like a. I think it was his first, his first loan move. But then um, four years later, he's then playing at a World Cup, putting in some pretty good performances for Australia. So it players developed. You know, it depends what moves they get. And 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 yeah, I, I think um, I'd, I'd be quite happy with, with Stockton coming up if we get a, if we get a striker that's going to get us double figure goals. And I think everyone in the league will be looking for a striker like that. So. Uh, as Scott says, though, it's quite often the case that there's a good few clubs fighting in the same market. It's at either end of the table, like you always being Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs, quite often getting linked with similar kind of players, and then the same happens for like some Motherwell, Ross County, Kilmarnock, likes. Well, um, yeah. Motherwell were actually one of the other teams apparently interested in it, but I think it it would it said that kind of either prepared the bid or put the bid in at least, you know. So uh, I don't know. We'll wait and see. It could just be paper talk, but we don't know. Seems to be a lot of the likes of like what we were talking about earlier with Snodgrass. Um, it was Stevie Hamill's links to Snodgrass, and it almost looked as if it was it was done. But I think that was just the agent that was playing the field to to get a a, a move. Muller would have maybe have, he maybe would have signed. I mean, I think they're playing Livingston. Um, we were told it was virtually done, and then obviously um, he got a better offer, understandably so. Um, and he's. He's went there, so even I would say Hearts have got a far bigger budget than than Motherwell. Sometimes we pull we we gems out the bag, but we are going to be fighting with Ross County, St. Mar's, particularly St. Martin, because Steve Robinson's likes to uh, come into the, the fold, and I think he's managed to call um, Stockton before as well. So just wait till the end of January, and none of you have signed a striker, and Lee Griffiths is still available. Uh, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be playing for Berlin or Stockton, will he not? <laughs> Where at? Um, so I a good podcast. Apologies if I kept you all on a bit longer than we expected, but it's part of the course, isn't it? When we're on these podcasts, not so many people on. Um, hopefully, you all enjoyed it as well. It's always good to have you all on. Um, and Scott, thanks for coming on. And you've been on before, like from anywhere else. I've, I've been on with, been with Andy, maybe. I've been on with and I was I was on when. Um, I think before we this we done a Scottish Cup one we yeah uh, Andy and the other John aye, aye. I loved myself it was other Andy 
um, and and John about the ninety one cup final. Just a pity there's no Dundee United fans here. Oh, where uh, answer? Bye. The pleasure to have you all on. Um, all the best for the festive period and all that. Thanks, Thanks very much, John. Get you on at the end of the season as well for when we can find out how accurate our predictions were. Right, all the best. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 Best talk to you.